Hello, everyone. Welcome to New Polity, uh, where we are in a brand new studio. And yep. So I am uncomfortable, and I have Me no too. idea where to look, and it, and the cameras are in odd places. But the point is, <laughs> it's not for our good that we do this, but for the good of others who apparently are having a better experience because we're in a nice place. Yeah, right. There you go. People are so fussy. I know. Oh, they're being filmed in a basement. Right. With we got that comment that was like, "Oh, it looks like you're in like a torture chamber." Was it the ugly goose duck paintings? Yeah, I don't know what it was. But here we are in a beautiful <laughs> studio, um, handmade by Dave Matthews himself. Um, not that Dave Matthews. Not that Dave Matthews. <laughs> or maybe. I don't know. Move to Superville and find out. I might have snagged him from Charlotte's. Um, yeah, and, and, and a special thanks to all those who sent us books to fill our shelves. We now have a very eclectic uh, uh, bunch of these. Let's take one at random here. Oh, that's so boring. The Apostolic Fathers, Greek texts, and English translations. Oh, well. Yeah. So, <laughs> we wanted to mention real quick, before we get started here, that we are, in fact, having a event, um, New Polity's second annual conference. It's happening in June, June 3rd, I believe. Mm -hmm. 3rd and 4th. 3rd and 4th. Um, it should be a great time. A lot of other... Um, fun things to do in Studentville at the same time, and we are talking about whether America is a tyranny. That's actually the title of the conference. That is, yes. A little on the nose, maybe. Is America a tyranny? Let's do it. Well, and Who's I think going to say no. <laughs> I think I the, can't wait. Well, we got we got a lot of fun people coming. <laughs> uh, I believe I believe Mr. Deneen. He'll be there showing up. Yeah. Anybody else? Just him. <laughs> no. Schindler. Schindler. Yeah. Yeah. DC Schindler. Uh, Pecknold. Chad Pecknold. Oh, we got Chad. Yeah. I believe so. Wild. Yeah. I think it'll be a great discussion because I think a lot of these um, arguments concerning tyranny can lead you to the obvious question of our own country and to what degree it is um, a tyranny by virtue of the manner it was founded, uh, which leads to all sorts of problems like, well, is a country really just the manner of its founding? Doesn't right. it extend beyond that? What about our people? Yeah. Um, so I think it's a really good topic to have a conference on because you actually need to chip away at all of those and, and if, if, if you answer yes, it is a tyranny, then that's not a good enough answer. You have to explain in what ways, what is it, how does it manifest itself, right. and then obviously um, what do we do about it? Yeah. So these will all be topics. And if you answer no – Get, That'd be exciting. Get ready for some. <laughs> get ready to defend yourself. <laughs> okay, so there you go. There's the pitch. Now today we are talking about technology um, as a technique of tyranny, <clears throat> which is kind of a, a, a soapbox of mine. Yeah. Um, You've been working on technology for as long as I've known you. I think the first. Yeah. I think the first encounter I had with you, other than as the director of my kids. Some of my children's plays yeah. that you were that you wrote mm -hmm. and, and directed was you coming into my office with a, I think this was right with a techno like a manuscript on on yeah. smart technology. Yeah, and it, it was I think that was my first encounter with your your thinking and writing. That's right. No, and 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 it quickly became <clears throat> obvious that we had a lot more to talk about. Right. Some of that might have been the failings of the manuscript, but no, uh, it was quite good. I found myself. I don't think it ever got published though. No, no, no. We're, st we're, we're still working on still it. Still working on it, baby. That was like six years ago. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Point is, there's an awesome book on technology coming out from New Quality Press because my own people are the only ones that will publish it. Uh, uh, it's exciting. What was exciting about the manuscript is that I started out with like a, a sort of just 
aesthetic repulsion to how much technology is taking over our lives. And what, and when I say that in, in that sense, I just mean what we all mean by technology, the smartphones and, and our laptops and iPads and just everything that is so present to us. It's so it's such an amazing thing the way that it's ubiquitous and yet almost universally despised. Yeah. So so this yeah. is a this is a really a really interesting thing, right? Something some aspect of our culture that's sort of taking over our day-to-day experience that then it's an aspect of the culture to know it's bad. Totally. Right. Like so, it. so it's like, and this, this was a, you know, it, I remember, I remember maybe 10 years ago, not even 10 years ago um, at a Catholic school that whatever, there was a Catholic <coughs> school where I lived and, and, and they were advertising for their kindergartners. They were advertising one-to-one iPads. Oh, wow. Right. But that was a good thing. Wow. 10 years ago. Wow. Whereas now no one would do that. Now it's about limiting screen time. Right. right? right. Similarly, I mean, like when, it, when I teach the undergrads up, up at Franciscan and I, I will ask about, we'll start talking about their phones and I'll start asking them about their phones and how many of them think the phones have improved li- their lives or whatever. And like no one, what I mean, the whole right. class full of 19, 20 year olds and they all dislike the phone. Yeah. And yet they all have it. They all have it. They all carry yeah. it around. We dislike the way it looks like when you're, you know, you're you're someplace public, and you look around, and everybody's scrolling on the phone, and that makes all of us um, sort of disgusted. Yeah, right. And then we then we do it, because, and yet we all do. And so everyone's doing it. We're all doing. It. And not only that, we're talking about ramping it up. Like there's like, whoa, well, they implant this in our heads. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, does anyone here think that's a good idea? <laughs> like, does anyone here like yeah. is looking forward to having the smartphone implanted in their head? And like, no one really is. But we all then treat it like it's inevitable. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. It's like why? Why? Let's not do that. It's like Zuck- it's like yeah. No, it's like Zuckerberg with the metaverse. Yeah, it's like, it's like we're- also let's not do that. Right. Well, we're all like talking about how you know we need community and and how you know lonely we're becoming and atomized we're becoming and everyone knows this and everyone knows social media is to blame and it's like well, let's just do more harder. Yeah, you better double down on that. <laughs> I think I think I think it's I mean it's worth making fun of. Um, and, and I think there's a f- phenomenological reason why um, smart technology particularly has this sort of element of repulsion to it is that it, it maybe more than other forms um, really does seem to attach itself to us, like attach itself to our bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's very intimate in our hands. It's kind of constant in our presence. It's in our pockets. It's sort of buzzing and beeping in a way that um is very much like an extension of our body only it's not and that seems to be a kind of principle of of the emotion of disgust is something that like is intimately connected to you that is not in fact loved by you we could think of some some easy examples yeah i think you know that the seven-year-old boys would find very funny yes i think that's true (laughs) i think that's absolutely true but i think people are really embarrassed when like their phone goes off during like a like the mass Mm or something is that it's 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 sort of flatulent yeah in its effect because it's yeah, like right. your body kind of acting without you like yeah, no, I didn't yeah no, to do that totally, how embarrassing i've never thought of it that way but it's very it funny i think it is yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we're not here just to rip on it <laughs> we're here to um discuss why this might be the case because y- you can see in some immediate sense why living with something you hate has a kind of direct relation to living within a tyranny, right? Mm-hmm. You can see how like, okay, there's a certain necessity to the devices. Maybe 
um, that we nevertheless don't like. This is, has a sort of similarity to the tyrannical rule. Mm-hmm. But I think to understand the broad claim that technology is not just something accidentally related to tyranny, but is in some ways tyranny itself. Like tyranny itself is in some way a, a technology of mm-hmm. rule as opposed to some other. It seems like form throughout of rule. the the whole series of of episodes here, all this podcast, it, it wouldn't be a stretch to say that what we are mostly describing are different technologies, different yeah. mechanisms. We yeah. call them mechanisms yeah, yeah. directly. Mechanisms of tyranny, um, technologies of tyranny, because they're 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 machines. Right, yeah. who have a function and that, and they do something, and yeah, yeah. And I think to really get to the difference between, um, well, I think we need to go back to the beginning, okay? Because I don't know how else to do it. I mean, one thing we would want, I, I, I'll just say right off, right from the beginning, so as to prompt you to do this, is to expand our definition of technology outside of yeah. the smart technology. And and I don't mean you have to do that right now, but but just keep that in mind as you as you start from the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think it's a helpful starting place because I don't think that technology is a particular sum of devices. There's a funny thing about the word technology because we use it to mean this thing, this computer, but it's an ology. Right, so like think about biology. Like, yeah, like biology, psychology. Those are ways of knowing. They're studies, right? right? Theology, yeah. knowledge yeah. of God. Yeah. Um, but somehow we don't have that in our lexicon when we talk about technology. We don't think of a mode of knowing the world, right, right, uh, right. even though it's sort of linguistically linked to all these modes of knowing the world. And maybe that's helpful to kind of cue in on a, on a broader, more thorough vision of technology, to think of it as a mode of knowing, a way of looking at the world such that the invention of a particular technological device becomes possible. Because prior to any making, there has to be some form of knowing, mm-hmm. some form of you know, receiving reality and seeing it in a certain way that a technological device seems like a good thing to make. <laughs> right, right. It's that that we want to address. And it's, and it's that specific mode that I think is inculcated in people within a tyranny to become technological knowers. Um, as opposed to say theological knowers or something, you know, a more fuller. Uh, okay. So okay. is that a fair like? I, I I think that is a good place to begin. Now you need to explain to all of us what that means. Okay. <laughs> so well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I I, I I get what I get those those parameters that you've laid down. Okay. Right. Okay. So okay. it's a subjective mode of knowing. Yeah. Um. Ratzinger says that all technology. Um, is a means of saving man from fear. Okay. Uh, from something he fears. It has this connection to that. When you look at the beginning, the story of Adam in the garden, you find that he was made to till and keep the garden, to shepherd it, and that this probably would have involved making making things it would yeah and also to subdue and have dominion Mm -hmm. very closely related yeah um but at the same time you find that adam's life is assured by god right god provides him with immortality this is the traditional and the teaching on the topic yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you can eat of any of these trees of the garden the the trees of the garden are, are very important because 
tree, a fruit tree in a prearranged garden is something that gives of itself without you doing much. You know, it's not like right, a, right. An or, like Adam plants an orchard. It's like the trees are there. They're providing the fruit. Go pick it. Yeah. So he does till and keep, which is the language of plowing fields, right. you know, and making and uh, farming. Right. Uh, keeping sheep. Um, but he does it within a context in which fruit is literally falling out of the yeah so there, so he's not doing this he's not doing this because he's afraid of dying right exactly he, in fact this is exactly the curse of the sin is to then expose that you will toil now right. for your bread yeah so if right? we look at if we look at the story then adam lives with his life assured mm-hmm. and his making is best described as a response to the world so he sees the world he sees that it has all of these given natures that come from god he, um but at the same time, he is in a relationship as a shepherd of that whole world. Yes. What I mean is when God tells Adam, hey, you name the animals, it's not just an arbitrary story. He's saying these given natures are fundamentally in relation to what you will make of them. Right. right? That's right. Yeah. The world you build. Mm-hmm. Build a world out of all this. You're a world builder. So build um, this world. Complete the world. And that's in one way. It's, it's maybe just a lofty way of describing man's freedom. Right. Right. That he doesn't come with a prearranged sort of task that you might expect from the claws of the bear or the sure. beak of the eagle or whatever. He has a kind of um, possibility before him. And so when he makes, it's wrong to say that man makes because he wakes up scared and needs things and goes out to get them. Right. Um, it's, so the modifying of the world then yeah. is – so working on the world, the yeah, modification working. of the world – is is not just a means a means towards some other end, but okay. it becomes it becomes an expression of of man's nature itself. It's an end, and it's, it's well, it's and not a, just an expression of human. man's nature. I think it really builds. It, I mean, this sounds this can sound kind of like existentialist or something, but I think it really makes man's nature what it is. Yeah, that's what man is. So, okay, who's man? man? Well, man's this guy that has these things called shovels. Did he have to have shovels? It's like, well, no. I mean, he decided to build shovels at some point, and right. it became a part yeah, of his yeah. culture. Yeah. So the 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 point being that. Um, man is responding to nature, but he, because man is free, it's precisely in his making nature into something that he also becomes man, properly speaking. Yeah. Uh, and in some ways we see this, right, with, with just virtue. Like you're, you're born to make yourself into a particular character, a particular person. Right. Um, you're not like the animal that sort of has these by instinct. So mm-hmm. this, is, this is still and – and I think that this kind of making – I'm distinguishing it from technology here, that this kind of making is something that we all still experience. You know what I mean? Like we might sort of vaguely say, well, we work because we need money and we need money because we need to eat. And those needs are real um, because (laughs) we did get rid of our sort of guarantee of immortality coming from God. Um, But within our particular work, I think we've all had the experience of actually enjoying making, enjoying the work, whether in art or in um, just the actual (laughs) enjoying of whatever the labor is, Um, that there's a kind of making that isn't a um, response to fear, but seems to be an end in itself. It seems to be just part of the human project. Perhaps, Perhaps where we see that, in its most simple form would be, um, well, I'll give you two examples, uh, uh, art, uh, like what we call art. Yeah. And then maybe in play, 
Yeah. Like in children's play, like where they're building things out of blocks mm -hmm. and built, they're building, they're making, but they're not doing it for any reason other than to do it. Yeah. And they love it. No, absolutely. Right? <laughs> yeah. But I think the danger with saying that is sometimes then people hear that and they think that that the distinction then is one of seriousness. Like, yeah. But that's so, not what I so mean, yeah. Adam in the garden was frivolous or, no, or no, like no, 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 things no, no. Yeah, that yeah, he yeah. made didn't do anything for him. I don't think that's the case at that's all. That's not the case. It's, right. it's tricky because what we're saying is not that Adam couldn't fulfill a need himself in, in any way. And that his work couldn't be oriented towards that, but that he had, he didn't do out of fear because he had the assurance right. um, of his life provided to him by God. Okay. So, so, so Adam, even, even before the, before his fall, you think, would have built tools. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, he could have built virtually, well, I shouldn't say anything, but, you know, anything he put his mind to um, that he wanted to make for any particular end that he's creatively, reasonably establishing, mm -hmm. um, he could have done. And this should be a great this should make us feel very comfortable then in a Catholic critique of technology because it can't be this kind of knee-jerk like primitivism. Right. Like right. Because that's, that's what I'm is... getting at. It's like that's why I asked like would he have tools because for yeah. most people I think in their everyday use of the everyday kind of common sense understanding of what technology is, they would say, well, the shovel the shovel that Adam makes is, is technology. It's mm -hmm. very primitive technology, but it's yeah. a piece of technology. But it seems like what – the, the, what you want us to see semantically here is that the technological mode is a different mode than yeah. that mode, than that kind of um, uh, pre-technological or or uh, tool-using or world-building mode that is properly ordered. Yeah, right? I think that's correct. So I think where you see it, where you see it in in, in the Genesis story is um, right after the fall. So Adam and Eve want to be like God. Mm -hmm. This is the great lie of the serpent that they believe. And I think sometimes we can take this to mean like, well, they had this sort of vision of who God is and they, and they wanted that. But I think that's false, or at least it's, it's not quite the whole truth because, you know, God is infinitely other, right? Uh, and even to Adam and in, in the perfection of his wisdom that was given to him by God, um, he would have known that better than we do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, and when you look at the whole scene that the serpent gives, what what is first suggested to Eve is not so much any kind of splendid description of the divine as human inadequacy. So, the mm -hmm. first suspicion, the first dark doubt cast upon um, man's nature being sufficient, being sufficiently supplied for. Uh, instead, it describes man, the serpent describes man as being somehow at odds with the divine nature, um, that, that God is withholding divinity from um, Adam and Eve, and that if they eat of the fruit that they've been told not to eat of, they will in fact get that divinity. Um, and so it's really better described as a kind of curse against human nature, the desire to be like God. Mm -hmm. um, it has a kind of more negative connotation. And what happens is when you when you posit human nature as inadequate, as lacking, and that this is a fundamental shift, right? This is not, I've, I recognize a need. This is saying that what the human person is, is not complete, is not sufficient, is not, as God said, very good. But in fact, 
is missing something. It ought to be more. Divinity is something that would be somehow a perfection um, if only man could take it for himself. Okay. Now, this is a fundamental shift in attitude that I think is necessary to birth technologia um, in the strong sense of a subjective mode of looking at the world that I'm talking about. So can, can, I, yeah. can, I, can I interject? So are you saying that in the non-technological mode, yeah. our smallness, our weakness is not perceived as a deficiency? Not at all. I think it's actually the, a cause for us to glory right. um, in how we were created to be. Even our our inadequacy before the mystery of creation itself. So like you said, that that the objects, the, the rest of creation that is laid out before us by God is uh, are, are manifestations of, of the logos, of the thought of God, the reason of God, and so therefore surpass our own. We can participate in it, but we can't master it. Mm -hmm. But that itself isn't, isn't a cause for anxiety, but rather for radical creativity. Totally. Because within that ever greater difference between what we perceive and what God in fact has created, there's a, a room for infinite play, mm -hmm. infinite creative construction or building. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so the smallness, the, the, the distinction or the, or the juxtaposition between the smallness of man and the greatness of God is the, the, the play of extremes that allows for wonder and for adoration, worship. I mean, imagine, if you will, because it's a an easy analogy, like the father of a family. Because we we you often hear it say, said for parents, like, "Oh, all of you children are so different, mm -hmm. so surprising." I I don't even know. Like they say things like, "I don't know where you came from. You're like this totally new creature." I'm like in awe. I'm watching this happen. Um, as you grow up and become something that I could, never could have expected or anticipated, and I'm always right. responding to like these differences as they come up. Now imagine a parent describing that and being like, "and it's and it's terrible because I want to master you." Right. Like the the point is that creation exceeding us, mm -hmm. the world exceeding us, is um, precisely the cause of our joy. It's like it's, yeah. it's wonderful. No, I, it's I, like, I see. I see. I see. It pulls us along, and the moment that we say, "Um, creation is exceeding us, and I don't want it to," can only be a very I mean, it is essentially idolatry because right. what it's saying is I want my relationship to creation to be, um, I would say like unto God's, but what I'm really saying is like what I can imagine God's to be. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> because exactly. I think God is, is not, you know, he's not just like a tyrannical master that has perfect, I mean, he, we're not going to go there. The point is that it is trying to be like God. Well, yeah. In the sense because of like it's not, God is not surprised in a certain respect. That's right. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what I was about. Because say. God, God is not small. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it all comes from his hand mm -hmm. is, is, is what I'd like to say. But the point is that uh, creation doesn't, doesn't come from our hands. And so it does always exceed us and surprise us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it's in the Psalms where it says about man, you have made him little less than a God. And when I first, before thinking about technology, I used to think of this as a kind of, purely hierarchical point like mm -hmm. he's there in the order of being less than less than God. angels and, yeah. but i think that that david if david wrote that one i forget uh i think he was saying it very joyfully mm -hmm. you know like that is the glory of man to be little less than a god um and that little less is where all his freedom lies i mean he, he's he is responding to a given world mm -hmm. um Okay, so in the garden, that 
fundamental attitude shifts. And now man and his desire to be like God, um, now he sees his nature as lacking. And because it's lacking, he sees a possibility of it being fulfilled. Now, I would say in some ways the first technology in this sense is the fruit of the tree. And, and the reason I think this is important is because it's obviously not a technology. It's a creation of God. And this points to the fact that we, that technology is a mode of being by, by which we look at the created world in a certain way. Mm-hmm. So now that fruit of the tree becomes the means by which uh, human nature can be fulfilled in a fundamental lack. Right? Okay. Now, obviously, this is a lie because we don't have a fundamental lack in some ways. Like it, it's not, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a false comparison right? to say, to say I'm mad because I'm not like God is like a son saying I'm mad because I'm not the father. It's like, mm-hmm. um, just a false comparison. So right after this, um, Adam and Eve, sew um, themselves garments of leaves, um, and hide themselves. And they see they're ashamed of their nakedness. I think it's important to recognize that this follows from um, the technological shift that now um, the same beings that would be like God find that they're not. Mm-hmm. And in comparison to divinity, in some ways they they fulfill their false prophecy. They say, oh, we're lacking, we're lacking, so we're going to try and be like God. Well, when you do try and compare yourself to God, then you do, in fact, appear to be lacking. That's right. Yeah. So it's this mode of being in which that lack actually becomes real mm-hmm. in society. And so they do see themselves in their nakedness as lacking a covering. So they are literally trying to cover their own lack. And this is where Ratzinger says, well, all, all technology is a means, you know, for attaining man's security. And, it, and the Catholic tradition says, well, that was the moment where we rejected God's continual gift of our immortality. And it's really all one. It's all one movement in which now we want to be masters of creation. We want to be able to um, order it towards a fulfillment of a lack that we ourselves are positing. Um and we kind of get what we ask for, mm-hmm. namely the appearance of ourselves as inadequate, as lacking. Yeah. Now. I can see this. Okay. I see how this is developing. Okay. Well, thanks. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just a, this is a great experience for me because I, to have you run through it. So the, the trouble now is once you do um, posit human nature as lacking, you do get what you ask for, um, then technology has a sort of twofold. Uh, on the one hand, it's, I think, that evil. It's that very gaze upon creation that um, comes from a presumption of, of human lack. On the other hand, now you really do face lack. Um, now you really do have to toil. Mm-hmm. And so technology... In, in terms of creating in order to fulfill um, lacks is is a good. It's a relative good. Right, I see. And that's the world we live in. Right, okay. Is is a world in which um, 
you know, we have both experiences, fallen and unfallen. Yeah. Like fallen in the sense of I fear and I fear for others and our immortality is not assured. And so I create things. I order creation. I looked at creation and see it as orderable to the fulfillment of all of these lacks that are real. Can I, can I try to re, re like sort of, I don't know, summarize or, yeah. or, or rearticulate some of this that and see if I'm getting it because <clears throat> I'm thinking about that with the way we were describing the smallness of man versus the, or in juxtaposition to the sort of greatness of creation. And, and that was the context for his freedom mm -hmm. and for the uh, unbelievable rationality of man that he can play within that, that distinction that after the fall, the desire to be like God, who doesn't have that, right? Who sees it all exactly the way it is that the, 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 what the drive becomes, well, let me put it this way. The, the ever greater difference between what we perceive and what's really there becomes the source of terror, mm, yeah. right? It's like the blackness. It's the abyss behind the, 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 the creation that we engage. Like we know mm. it's unpredictable. It does things we don't understand. Yeah. It's scary. Yeah. Right, the world becomes scary mm -hmm. because it's infinite in a sense. Right? Yeah. Okay, and so, and so, but then the drive becomes then the bit that I do understand. So that piece that has already been sort of humanized. I have named the animals. I have, I've ordered them in a certain way. I'm building a world for me to live in. Mm -hmm. I want that to be totalized, mm. right? Because how yeah. do I? How do I? How do I get rid of the fear? Well, the fear is always the fear of that great dark beyond. Yeah. And so what I do is drive that out mm -hmm. or try to drive that out mm -hmm. by expanding my world, the, the world that I do directly control, which is trying to be God, trying to, mm -hmm. it's the, the end game of course, is to be, have everything that we encounter be um, the world, uh, the entire world that we encounter being the world that we've created. Right, and so we're perfectly secure because it can be perfectly known in advance. In advance, it's a it's a, it's a it's a thing we've built in in, a, in in its entirety, and not as a humble participant in the the reason of God, but but through our own rationale. Yeah, yeah. So this feels to me like the sort of Baconian project of subduing nature and 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 knocking it to the ground and yeah, dominating yeah, yeah. it. Right, right. <laughs> and I think it's there in the Bible because you go from here, um, you kind of have an increasing wickedness of man who who is described as he increases in wickedness as inventing technology so right before the flood narrative you have um, the building of the first cities mm -hmm. and then you have um, the development of like uh, weaponry um, iron um, even like musical instruments and stuff it's it's very different than say a pagan model where like um, all the crafts and and arts are kind of given by the gods to right. man through these various stories. Right. As far as maybe this is not true. As far as I can, as I've read, um, the the Jewish understanding seems very just different in that like these things come with increased um, wickedness. But I think it's not because these things are like intrinsically evil, if that makes sense. But rather, there's a narrative here, um, and as man gets farther and farther from the garden. Um, he is more and more trying to make the world like you described, coming from his own hand, right? Being like God, but that's digging the hole deeper, hole deeper and because deeper you until become, you get to Babel. You become Babel more... is like a literalization of this, right? It's an actual 
attempt to have a man-made world, which, I mean, we talked about this in a previous episode right. where, where it was understood that even to the point of not being able to leave it, like right. it was, it was a physical enclosure in some ways. Yeah. But it seems that uh, the second half would be what you were talking about, how it sort of becomes a self-fulfilling thing. Because I think when you build the, to the extent that you increasingly attempt to live in a world that has been subdued to your domination, yeah, <laughs> the more you do that, the more, the more the ever greater difference. I keep saying that because that's the second half of the analogy, right? For every similarity that can be noted between the creator and the creation, an ever greater difference has to be noted. That's the yeah. basic formulation. And so it seems like as you build the the world that you dominate um, in an attempt to live in it, the ever greater difference becomes ever more great, ever greater yeah. the difference does, yeah. and ever more removed from what you've built. So yeah. it's scarier. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, so it, it, it and so you, yeah, so it be, and you and you're creating almost more points of vulnerability. So the more complex the world you build is, the more wa needs or wants that you're incorporating into it, the more points of exposure to that um, that fear that you've constructed. Yeah, you see what I, you no, see what I'm yeah, trying to no, say? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think I think one way of um, then <clears throat> understanding this as a, a technological gaze on the world then is to say that, well, one of the differences between the way we might understand a positive making and then um, technology in this sense is that technology in the pejorative sense is a permanent project. Because mm -hmm. um, now, you, now you're always, it's like playing whack-a-mole. Yeah, I mean, now you're like always you're, you're you're trying war. to drive it forward, and in doing so, digging the wound deeper and trying mm -hmm. to drive. Yeah, but you're but okay. So now tyranny mm -hmm. is in some ways just a way of articulating this tyrant. We've said again and again is is the one who rules for private gain. Mm -hmm. But even in that, even in that motion, even in that description you know you could easily replace that with someone who subdues for private gain right right yeah. so someone for whom the project of world building is for himself and i think sometimes we have i think the wrong view about this because we think of this in terms of like well self-aggrandizement like you want to be bigger and bigger and better but the point is you don't want to be bigger and bigger and better unless it's scarier to be smaller and smaller. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> like it's all it's 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 always people a know. Fear. I mean, like this is something that Hobbes knows, for example, that that the drive for power is the result of fear. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think of um, um, I mean, it just seems practically true, right? Like you think about any um, bullies sort of origin story yeah know? yeah no, it's always right. like someone else was beating up on him and then at some point he finds out that the only way or it seems to be the only way to not get hurt is to hurt others first right um and tyranny is in some ways just an expansion of this so there's a there's a reason that there's this sort of literary and historical connection to the tyrant and like the the child the ruined child the spoiled mm -hmm. child is that it is a quite literal defense mechanism um, against a scary world is to take that power all for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so when we have said, and we've said before that Adam was the first tyrant or that Eve was the first tyrant, um, 
it's not really the deep extension of, of the notion of tyranny into other stories. It's, it's the other way around. You know, Eve wants to rule for private gain. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like quite literally rule the, the world mm-hmm. for pi- private gain um, to subdue the earth to protect herself. Um, what's lost is this, is this world build, building project. And the way you see this within um, technological development is that technology becomes, again, a permanentized project that seems to have a life of its own because we must continually refashion the world against a constant lack in humanity. This is distinct from a vision of making that is simply responding to a lack in order to eliminate it, but then uh, once it has eliminated or once there is an um, equilibrium or a peace, that there would be no more need to continue to develop technology for its own sake. Mm-hmm. But maybe we could talk more about that. Cause that I think yeah, no, I mean I'm trying to imagine the, the sort of um... – non-technological farmer inventing the shovel. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to imagine this situation. I'm farming, I'm tilling, I'm keeping, I'm, I'm growing food for my, myself, my family, whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm at peace. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself, I could use this stick and this piece of metal here in order to do this, what, more – more joyfully, more productively, more produce more depend, abundantly. Right. And it would depend on your ends. Like sure. So I I I, I desired more more productivity, say. But yeah. for whatever reason. But the the point would be that once I design I think the point would be that once I built the tool and was using it for what I had built it for, mm-hmm. at that point I've I've reestablished peace. I'm 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 now stable again. Yeah, like I don't, I don't, I don't feel the need now to make a steam shovel. Yeah, and, and the only the only modification I'd give to that story is that since we do live after the fall, you might build the shovel out of um, fear. Okay. Of say, say a real scarcity. Hunger. Yeah. yeah, hunger. Okay. Uh, because it's real. Yeah. Uh, so it's not to say that Adam couldn't have built shovels. This is the important right, part. Right. There's not fear is not the only motivation. It's just that fear is now a real motivation. Okay. But but the difference is that there are. From now on, two types of people. There's the city of God, there's the city, city of man, man, and there's tyrants, and there's those who work for peace. And those two people will do one of two different things. I mean, the the the, the peaceful person, um, when he achieves peace, has actually achieved uh, his, his end. His end. He's, yeah. he's done. He's, he's done. Right. Now he just lives in it. He rests. He enjoys it. Yeah. He enjoys right. the goods. <laughs> uh, the fearful person, because of um, the fundamental curse he has against human nature as being lacking fundamentally, uh, being not very good, not being like God, living in a world of um, scarcity in which nothing is assured, uh, must continue. Maybe not. Maybe it's not just the shovel. Maybe it's the next tool. Maybe it's the next. Um, well, if anything, he has to. He, that drive is accelerating because now he has more to lose. He has more exposure. He has more pieces in play. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Right. right? Okay. So he becomes more, <laughs> not less. Yeah. His technology makes things worse. Yeah. I think that's right. I think that's right. So, and maybe the best way to see this is then to sort of jump ahead to to our era, and then and then look back a little bit because we barely even think of technology as a mode of looking at the world as orderable to the fulfillment of a totalized lack in, in, in human nature. Um, but 
as we mentioned at the beginning, we have this apparent just incapacity to do anything but develop technology and to make it bigger and better and more. And and sometimes when we even know that it's not actually better mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, in relation to any kind of happiness for humanity, even if it's somehow better in relation to itself, right? Um, so it's a, it's a strange world, but it's also one which I think has a real consistency to it, right? Because if the, if the lack is fundamental, so if human nature is fundamentally not very good, then the creation of, of devices which are supposed to um, heal that lack have no theoretical endpoint. There is no theoretically possible peace because what you're talking about is a depravity of our nature. Right. <laughs> you're not talking about a accident or a, a, a limited fall of man that actually can be redeemed in some way. You're talking about a never-ending permanentized condition of war and fear. Uh, and one of the ways that we wage that war is by continuously making stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, it gets weird in our society because what we found to actually give us the power to uh, save ourselves from lack and fear is money, right? So this is where it becomes really interesting because obviously there's, so you can hear all this and say, okay, well, if this is true, why are we making smartphones? Like, would you really say that the creation of the smartphone is the creation of something that's responding to like a fearful lack in humanity. Cause it seems like it's just giving us stuff that we didn't even need before. I mean, like we weren't there with yeah. the fear of like, Oh, I don't have any apps to play with in my quiet moments. Like what does it just wasn't there. And it seems like a lot of maybe even the majority of our technological development is kind of like that where it's shifting. It's shifting more that way. Yeah. Where like when we create things, it's not clearly fulfilling a need as much as creating it. Yeah, so it's it's a weird phenomenon. <laughs> it's a weird thing. So when I was studying economics, taking economics courses back in the '90s, um, it was still the case that that the professors would talk about economic development and just sort of assume that we were talking. Maybe I've talked about this before, but just assume that we were talking about products or innovations that that satisfied real needs right like it just we just always assume that the innovations we were talking about was like penicillin like mm -hmm. even, even things like vacuum cleaners or stuff yeah. stuff that was like okay this actually makes think tasks that we have to perform like cleaning easier yeah right or better or things like that but what's weird in the, what's what's changed in the last 30 years is is the shift to massive business practices, massive sort of economic endeavors that are not about, about improving or, or improving the, you know, needs, the satisfaction of needs that we've had that are longstanding, like mm -hmm. feeding people, healthcare, transportation, mm -hmm. but is actually the creation of new realms of, of needs. Yeah. yeah. Right. That didn't exist before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is, I think that's a, is novel. Yeah. And in some ways, somewhat novel. Well, in some ways, it's it's just part of that permanentization process. You know, I think about like a, a something like the car. Uh -huh. You know, a car can be seen to fulfill a lack, right? Like if you had a world in which something is far away and you need it, right. then a car gets you there fast. Right. And it's great. And once and within a peaceful, just society, once that need is fulfilled, it's institutionalized as doing just that, right. fulfilling that particular need. Yeah. Um, 
But there's a twofold thing that happens when you're when the people who are making the technology are themselves after a kind of security that comes not through the device that they've created, but the money that the device creates, then there's no theoretical endpoint to how much they want to sell that particular device and how they want to maximize it within culture. Yeah, its satisfaction or its mitigation of some want is incidental to them. Right. They don't care. Absolutely. That's just that's just useful. That's just a, a useful circumstance to being able to sell more of them. Right, 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 absolutely. Which is why yeah. this is why some things we create. So this be, is very, very different than the shovel that the farmer invents because he needs it to dig a hole. Right, absolutely. Apple doesn't need the iPhone <laughs> for anything, but money. He needs it for money. Yeah, for money. Is... Yeah, but the, but the, the 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 actual satisfaction of whatever the want is is something that they're not concerned about. No, that's and, correct. Like, unless unless it's to the extent only to the extent that it affects their ability to sell them. Right. But then what this does is once you have uh, entered into this technological mode of, of being where, where there's no peace and no um, rest, um, but a constant war against a fundamental lack in human nature, um, what you end up doing is obviously permanentizing and expanding um, whatever technological device you're using to get that security and peace. Um in such a way that it really does become a necessary part of um, human society. So what I, what I mean is like once you have a drive for everyone to have a car, then at some point it becomes necessary for everyone to have a car, even mm -hmm. if the drive wasn't based on the need for everyone to have a car, but was based on the need for every, for some people to have money. Right. So, and I, and I think we should be clear what I'm saying here. I'm saying that the, the creation of a sort of indefinite permanentized expansion of te of a technology is tyrannical. It's the way in which some people rule for private gain, and it really does create a world in which people eventually, um, because the world has changed mm -hmm. in, in relation to the new technology, now do have have to operate with that. But the reason why advice. the people are susceptible to it to begin with, so the reason why people are susceptible to the cars is because they they also perceive this lack that they can only they can only move so fast and a car lets them move faster. But it's and but I, I don't think we should forget that this isn't yes, you're correct. But it really does have to be people have to be convinced. Yeah, that's of right. This. Yeah, that's right. They have to be shown it. The normal model for human beings is to seek after peace mm -hmm. and where there's a particular lack of that peace to find a way to solve that problem, solve the problem and then right. to go back to that original rest. Right. What we talk about with the garden and the fall is also true like every day mm -hmm. that there's an there's original peace and then there's a fall that happens. So it's problematic. And then there's an effort to get back to that original peace. I mean, this is like, it's not just the historical narrative. It's also like the day to day narrative. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, yeah, of course. So, so, People then are naturally, I think, suspicious of technological innovation um, because for whatever particular need it solves, the moment that it goes outside of solving that particular need, it is by necessity disrupting other like moment, like peaceful society. Yeah, right. So like the even the expansion of the automobile, like there was a huge anti-car movement in America of all places um, that 
obviously now is sort of unthinkable, but like that cars were menaces. They were luxury items for the rich that were ruining, they were unsafe on the road. And there, and there was a steady campaign of propaganda and advertising and lots of money putting in and change in laws to make cars normal and necessary and to quell any, um, any attempt at limiting the car so that it simply served, say, this particular need. And this I is think, a, this yeah. is all very interesting because I, I it's something I've been thinking about about um, entrepreneurship <laughs> because because what you're describing is it seems like it allows us to see how we can take something like entrepreneurship and and actually divide it into two different kinds of activities. Yeah. So you have one activity that perceives a real problem, that looks for a real problem in, in society, in a human mm-hmm. life, and then seeks to solve that problem, mm-hmm. right? And that, that, that can be one form of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And then you could have another one, which would be that looks at society and tries to find places that are at peace mm-hmm. and then seeks to disrupt those places. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And, and, and in disrupting those places, create opportunity for the production of some new piece of technology. Right, totally. and that those two things we we might we might be confused, and our and our normal sort of economic discourse doesn't have the criteria to distinguish between those two sure. things. We just call them all entrepreneurs, right, right. but in fact, they're not the same activity. Mm-hmm. They're two different activities. Yeah, one's tyrannical and one is not. Right, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've said from the beginning that tyranny only exists through cruelty, through the inflicting yes. of some pain. Right. And I think you're saying the same thing in regards to technology, right? Right. Or, or rather this, I mean, bad technology, let's that, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That there are certain things that we do and that we make that only exist because we are continuously um, creating the wound that technology then heals. Right. And in some ways, like, I, I go to transportation because it's a very obvious example of this. Like, transportation, uh, the 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 automobile, which obviously can serve certain needs, um, only exists as a necessity, an absolute constant source of, of profit. Everyone has to have a car insofar as we remain atomized, distant, and have no walkable communities, sure. right? Like no life without it is possible. And th- those, th- you know, they go together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, very, very clearly, I think. One thing that that becomes very interesting here for me is the way in the digital age there things have changed and I w- I wonder what you make of this because y- y- you look at the car the car age the the motoring age okay that Ford is selling cars to the consumer um and so he wants to create the demand and create the need for it and all of that kind of thing um but there is a certain degree of like caring about the consumer, certain degree there. But in the d- digital age, it's weird because the consumer, we get confused by this, but like th- people on Facebook are not the consumer. Facebook, the consumer are the people buying ads, mm-hmm. right? So, so Facebook's business is by in selling ads to companies. Mm-hmm. They're the consumer of Facebook's product. Mm-hmm. The, the, the people on Facebook are what Facebook is selling to them. To the to the advertisers, mm-hmm. right, or what they're what the advertisers are buying, right? Yeah, right. Okay, so, but my point would be that there there is even a another degree of remove where 
the there need be no problem. The problem that they're seeking to solve is the advertiser's problem, not the people on Facebook's problem. Mm-hmm. Do you see what you see what I'm what I'm saying? And so they're not even they need not be concerned about satisfying a real need of the people on Facebook at all. Like mm-hmm. they're that's completely incidental. Right, right, right. A hundred percent incidental. In fact, it's probably the case that making their problems worse helps Facebook's consumers, which are the advertisers. Mm-hmm. All right. So so they would want to increase that sense of lack, that increase of anxiety, that increase that sense of panic, oh, yeah. which is, of course, what they exactly what they do, mm-hmm. right? And so, what's the solution? What's Facebook's solution to this? Well, it's not; it's just you know the creation of like the metaverse, which will be which will just be total marketing, right. a whole world that the world itself is an advertisement, mm-hmm. right? Like that's that's what they're building, and then and then and then trying to pass it off as if it's going to allow us to connect with our friends <laughs> like we're their customers like you you they talk to they talk to right. they talk to people like we're their customers right, right, right. And, and that's so funny that people people mistakenly think that we are yeah but see I, I think the same sort of thing happens with the phones so it's like oh apple makes great products samsung whatever and it's like sure but the phones themselves it seems like what's really after is is the what they're really after is the ecosystem Right, they really want is the engagement, the constant engagement that then allows them to sell your engagement to to bigger entities and other entities. Yeah, right. The phones themselves, or the the product itself, is is a probably no doubt a secondary importance. Yeah, that's why it's easy to get a free one. That's why you get a free one. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's right. So so when that starts to happen, then then you can really see how the technological mind. Because because now those those people those tyrants are viewing the human beings uh, below them the, those human beings themselves as just pieces of um, pieces of the world to be turned into mechanisms that that provide gain for them. Yeah, absolutely. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, and it's it's in some ways this is always present that. I mean, again, we, we think of technology as sometimes limited to like this or that device, but it's also always the creation of like a, what we would call social technology. Right. Um, and one of the experiences that I think people have in a technological age and that I just want to sort of affirm is in fact a the right thing to be experiencing is one of being um, – of having one's freedom limited. Um, and of being um, um, more bound by laws, it seems. Like, so what I mean is this, like Facebook is, or, or yeah, I'll just use Facebook. Like Facebook is a, is a sort of extreme example because, you know, Facebook offers you, you know, the ability to communicate in all these different ways. Um, but only insofar as you enter into this purely man-made world and so are subject to all of its, to, subject to all of its laws. I mean, you can right. only get, the ends that Facebook offers insofar as you have, you're, you're literally following, I mean, it's code, right? Code, right. Yeah, code yeah, is yeah, another yeah. word for laws. Law, so right. you, yeah. You're not going against any of the laws. Um, you can, you can utilize Facebook and this is becoming maybe more obvious with like, you know, uh, censorship or whatever, but, but it's just, it's just part of the device itself. Um, and I think we feel this way about cars sometimes where it's like, okay, the car has this great freedom attached to it. But we only get to utilize 
to the ends of the car, which is to move fast, insofar as we enter into a massive structure of laws that, that bind us in where we're able to go. So it's like, yeah, you can go really fast on just on, these yeah, roads right, and right. according to these laws. Right. And in these color cars. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's a the link to to tyranny here is that law is always a kind of um, technology or technology is kind of law. There, there's a way in which they're uh, interchangeable um, because it is a way of getting people to um, behave within a like, human world. Uh, yeah, like a structure. Yeah. A human structure. Now, this is not to say that law is bad. <laughs> this is no, of gets, course. Where it gets tricky because obviously – what we're distinguishing is two forms of world building here, right? Right. Just as there is a making um, that is not technological in the sense that we've been describing, there's a law giving that's that's not technological in the sense that we're describing. But I think one of the characteristics of a technological society is laws that seem to be um, – what's the word here? Uh, that are kind of unchanging or unchangeable, that have no dynamic to them. That create of... the illusion, perhaps, that they are a part of the fabric of reality itself. Mm, yeah. I mean, I, I think about this a lot with, with the digital world because, because of what you said, where the world becomes... So, so, so the world becomes... The world that we inhabit, the digital world that we inhabit, is a world that is directly created by men, structured by men, that obeys the laws of men, right? So, to the extent that we're in that digital world, to the that extent, the the, the technological drive has succeeded, right? Like what I mean is that that sort of infinite mystery that lies behind mm. all of creation has yeah. been done away with. Yeah, there's nothing on the internet that's mysterious. Mm. There's nothing about the, the digital world that's not just what it is, right? There's because it's completely man-made, mm -hmm. and so can to the extent that they can that they can make people or compel get people to live in that world, right? The more and more and more and more to the point where it becomes primary, the primary world and the physical world in which they actually live becomes the secondary kind of awkward kind of place they'd rather not be. Mm -hmm. That you're maximizing the tyrannical because you're maximizing the technological, mm -hmm. right? You're, 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 you're there. Are, it's an attempt to finish it mm -hmm. in some ways, right? But, and it's, and it, but it, it, the reason I was thinking about that because of what you just said about feeling constrained, because one, one aspect of this obviously is that in the digital world, it's a world of owners, universal private property. <laughs> I mean, what I mean is that, like, when you're on Facebook, you can get kicked off at any point. You have no rights on Facebook. You have no rights on Twitter. You have no rights on any website, mm -hmm. right? Because it's owned by somebody mm -hmm. and it's somebody's private property. So it's like you're, you're building a world that doesn't have sidewalks, mm. right? Like it doesn't right. have street. It doesn't have streets. It doesn't have parks. It doesn't have the courthouse. It doesn't have the common world that hasn't been enclosed. And one way of thinking about it would be that's like a world that's been totally enclosed or perfectly privatized, Yeah, right? right? But all of those ideas of, of rights, those ideas of free, like the liberal conception of negative rights, freedoms, I, I think always sort of rested upon the reality that we inhabited a world 
that was still beyond our total control. Mm, yeah, right. you know, like we still lived in a world where, like, you say something like free speech that has free speech where, not in your living room. You can tell me to get lost, right? Right, not in any piece of private property. They can tell me to leave. Free speech that right th for it to have any content at all, you know, obviously implies um, some sort of a shared world that nobody controls. But that's, I think, exactly what the digital builders, the builders of that world are seeking to eradicate as best as they can. Mm. So maybe it's like the, it's, the, it's a, it's very appropriate that when we say technology these days, we immediately turn to, in our minds to the digital mm -hmm. because, because that's maybe like the, the perfect, the perfect as of yet manifestation of this exact dyna dynamic that you're talking about. Right. Absolutely. And it distinguishes itself uh, from, I mean, one thing that I think gets misunderstood is that you can have, you can have technology that goes the other way, or rather you can have human making that doesn't, um, tend towards this sort of right. permanentization of lack and this, this ever expanding, um, war to be like God by creating a purely man-made world. Right. Um, so like the, the middle ages are, are largely a good example of this. Um, you know, there's technologies in the middle ages. There's agricultural developments. You might say there's cool things like water wheels that are totally used. Yeah. Water wheels are neat. <laughs> Windmill. It's pretty At, cool. You know, there's even stories about um, people are always talking about like the horse collar. <laughs> I mean, really, it's funny because <laughs> I'm a medievalist, yeah, but I still like laugh when medievalists are trying to defend the Middle Ages um, as being not the Dark Ages. And uh -huh. one of the things they'll come up with is like, well, they invented the horse collar so they could pull a heavier plow. It's like, wait, hold on, you're talking about a thousand years, and you and you could actually list the inventions. <laughs> <laughs> Like in a fairly short list. Right, right. I mean, anyway, seems to be defeating the purpose. Of yeah, it, it does. <laughs> well, I mean, this is obviously like a, a te technical, technological age desiring to make a technological age out of the Middle Ages. Yeah, saying, right. Because oh, that's they're how just they like us. It. They were like us. They weren't. You, you don't know. have to. You can like them because they're a lot like moderns. Yeah, exactly. As if they invented the, the stirrup. <laughs> I hear <laughs> So, but when you look at a, a period of <laughs> a, of a thousand years in which you can list list the, the sort of <laughs> developments, what what immediately strikes you is that technology has no no kind of permanentized dynamic where it's growing and people are just following in its wake. Mm -hmm. I mean, it seems to be just an example of the implementation of of an Edenic um, kind of making. Well, as best as is possible in a fallen world, because you do have these needs, you do have these lacks. And so you create a particular thing. Cause these weren't dumb people. I they mean, were, they were just as smart as we are. Yeah. Smarter. <laughs> and, and so when they see a particular need, they can fulfill it. Yeah. Um, and if they'd really thought about it, they could have invented the model T. Oh, I think so. Like they're just human beings. Well, there's, yeah. a, there's a story I really love of, of, uh, saint albert the great making an automaton like an actual machine running yeah. on something 
showing it to St. Thomas Aquinas, and Aquinas destroys it because he thinks it's it's an evil. I don't know if this is true. There's but... other stories similar where where, where <laughs> people people invent, or there's accounts of people inventing things that seem to be like little steam engines. Okay. But that they they thought they were just toys. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, fun. wow, you made like a little engine and your mind went to, it's a toy. <laughs> anyway. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> the, the, the point being that something has to change in our fundamental attitude to make technology into what we think of it now as a developing, progressing, each thing followed by the next best thing. Like you have to want that world. Mm-hmm. If you don't want that world, if what you're looking for is peace, then once any particular need is met um, in a reasonable way, then that becomes an institution. It's like, okay, yeah, now we have water wheels. Right. You don't have a development of it, – it's not like, like it then rockets off into its own um, ever-improving development because what that requires is the presumption that at any moment it can always be better. You can always do more. You can always, you can always further assuage the lack in human existence because peace is never really possible. Yeah. Rest is never really possible. Scarcity is always is always the condition. Yeah, and that that kind of world is what's strange. I mean, I, I know that I know that we, this should be obvious, right? I mean, just go by the numbers. If you have a thousand years of no of no like none of this technological development, and then suddenly with like the invention of you know the factory, I don't know, you've got you know a seeming dive into just ever improving products right. um, while humanity becomes miserable and distraught and then starts killing itself at greater numbers than right. you can possibly imagine. Yeah. So that, that all occurs. And then we're like, Oh, the middle ages are strange. You know, like yeah. what prevented them? Well, those guys were so backwards. What prevented them? They must've had some sort of overpowering government regulation <laughs> that kept them from, or some sort of moral code that right. was insane and forbid them from lending at you at interest right <laughs> or something <laughs> something like that yeah no totally so we, so we look back <laughs> with this this modern vision and then say the middle ages were strange when obviously they would be the first to call us this is it's a very interesting um i think this is interesting because very often when you and i and others start talking this way people people get mad at us because they think oh you guys what are you talking about going back to subsistence farming? What are you sure. talking about? Some sort of, you know, you know, we want to be peasants again and some, uh, something like that. But, but the thing that, the thing about what you're saying is that that's not the case because like you said, when the water wheel wheel is invented, great. Now we have water wheels and those water wheels satisfied a, a real need. Mm-hmm. And so they, they, per, they, they stay, they persevere through history. Now there it's a civilization with water wheels. But the point would be that were we to convert, if we just like had that thought experiment, what was, if our society was to choose for Christ again, that I think we would be able to, because of that choice, we'd be able to discern um, what was hurting us and what was really helping us. And and that we would be able to, like the Middle Ages, retain the water wheels. We would be able to retain, say, modern medicine yeah. to a certain extent. You know, Some of it, yeah. to the extent that it serves totally. us. Totally, you know, to the extent that these things serve yeah. us. And there would be, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing inherently disordered about making nope. or about tool making, nope. right? And so it 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 allows, I think. It seems like what you're even even if those tools may have been initially invented with the with the improper drive, 
improper sort of technological drive doesn't mean they can't be converted to the proper way of understanding tools. I think that's right. I think there's no technology. I mean, there's somewhere it becomes a ridiculous thought experiment. like Nuclear new, bombs. I was going to say nuclear yeah. bombs, yeah. <laughs> but the important part is it's not because anything inherent in the making of the bomb. It's just that you would never make that unless your end was what the end of the nuclear bomb yeah, is. Yeah, maybe right? we could use them to blow up like a comet. Right, and then it would be good Yeah, if we needed it. <laughs> that's my point. Um, so, so yeah, there's no technology that you can't conceive of. When I say technology, I mean like technological device nice. that you can't conceive of being used in a mode that doesn't presume a universal human lack that has no redemption. Mm -hmm. And Christianity is, frankly, the answer and salvation from the technological age because it can speak right to that age and say, um, no, 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 it's supposed to be for the good. Technology has no life of its own. It is a human reality that needs to be orientated towards human happiness, salvation. Right. Uh, it does it. It does it explicitly and intentionally. Whereas I think when we look at like a lot of peasant communities, not simply in the Christian Middle Ages, but any subsistence peasant community, it's not like they're doing it as a salvific mode as much right. as they're just maintaining the peace. Mm -hmm. um, so I think Christianity ha gives us the ability to rebuke a technological age and actually, and, and the reason I mean, there's examples of. Christian communities doing this. I mean, like our community largely doesn't, at the very least, I would say largely doesn't let children have smartphones. Mm -hmm. I think that would be fair. Yeah, sure. Adults. Overwhelmingly. That's adults, it's still, I think a minority, but probably more than most places don't let adults have smartphones right, right. either. <laughs> yeah. Right. So there's an example of a, a uh, decision right. by people that this particular technology is not a good. Now, does that mean that those same people don't, I don't know go to the doctor or whatever. No. And there's no contradiction there. Right. Um, because it's yeah. freedom from seeing technology as just a developing like stream of history that you just have to. Right. And this, this gets at that, that accusation that's so often leveled that look at you, look at you, you're criticizing, you're criticizing the modern system and then you'll go to the hospital if you get sick or you're right, criticizing right. the modern system, but then you'll get in an airplane and fly someplace or mm -hmm. right. And, and, and for a lot of people, they're perceiving that as an inc inconsistency, mm -hmm. but that's because they're, they're, they're understanding this is a sort of all or nothing deal. Right, right. 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 Like we're either desperately pursuing the, the, some sort of divinity, some sort of overcoming our smallness right, right. or we get nothing. Right. Totally. And it's like, well, that's, that's not, that's, that's a false, that's a false dichotomy. That's a false uh, choice. And you know what I think any uh, any Christian revolution technology would have to tackle capitalism. What, what I mean is that you can't have a sort of culturally acceptable pursuit of wealth for its own sake. Now, people will say that that's not what capitalism is. That's fine. So let's just say I'm just talking about Whatever that of, is, that's yeah, what you're talking whatever about. Whatever the pursuit of wealth is, <laughs> whatever the actual culturally accepted pursuit of wealth for its own sake is, that's what I'm talking about. Um, you can't have that and um, any kind of moderation in technological use or, or real decision in technological use. Because it's um, – once things are by definition not for the sake of the common good but for private gain, mm -hmm. then there are people within a society that will try to – I mean this is just – again, we're just describing tyranny. Yeah, They will produce things and then try to get everyone to use them and 
push technological development because they gain from it. Yeah, and and and, and what I would say is that this is a tricky situation, and I'll, I'll try to explain what I mean, but it's it's a complicated thing, which is that powerful people, because we've talked about how there's power, one aspect of that power, one essential aspect in, the, in a fallen world, even in a fallen world that is, we would say, Christian, and so attempting redemption, moving towards its redemption, moving from imperfect to perfect, attempting to build virtue, the rulers throughout that society do have to use technological forms in order to move sinners or the imperfect in order to, to, to encourage them or to move them, to educate them, to try to move them into their own perfection. This is something that you talked, you, 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 you mentioned, I think earlier when you were saying that law, for example, can become a technological sort of monolith, or it can be a, um, it can be a, a necessary remedial action of a ruler, a virtuous ruler to, to heal and, 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 um, elevate those who are, who are beneath him. But the reason why I bring that up is that in a, even in a just society or a more just society, an increasingly just society, the people with power are going to have to use technological forms. If those people in power then are not seeking the common good, but are rather seeking self-interest, they can use those technological forms for their own gain. And it's not necessarily apparent like, like it doesn't matter which one of those it is to the people who are subject to them. They seem the same. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, like, like it's not, it's not the, it's a very tricky problem because to the, to the child, you know, who's being disciplined, it's not necessarily clear that whether or not his parents is, is behaving justly. He just knows he's being disciplined for this thing. Yeah. Right. And I think similarly then this, this idea that you're saying that, as long as private gain, the pursuit of profit for its own sake is something that the powerful are allowed to do, as long as that's the case, they'll always be able to get away with mm. exploiting technological means or, or tyrannical means in general, because part of what it, it looks like to be just is to also use those means. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm trying to say? They're not easy to sort. No, right. And, and I think you, and you, and they're hard to sort in a particular moment of discernment because it, the answer, whether one is using it remedially or tyrannically often is only clear over time. Right. And a lot of time because part of what makes that distinction is whether once the problem is solved, the technology goes away or, or exactly. becomes sort of like we talked about with the water wheel. Right. Um, and right. So it's similar with, with law, right? Because law is a human construction that gets people to operate in a certain way in order to attain that end. Mm -hmm. And you might be dealing with the people that really need some harsh law in order to get them to that end that they don't want to pursue, you know, that their will isn't conformed Right, but those way. people who are being so treated that in that way perceive the person who's treating them that way as a tyrant, right? even if they're not. And the difference would be that when the people <laughs> attain what the law intends, then, um, he's, then he, the tyranny fades away. Right. But not for the actual tyrant. But not for the actual tyrant. Yeah. But for the just ruler, that's, that's the way it occurs. Yeah. So th th those forms of technology, governance technology, be would behave in the same sort of way that you're talking about, um, you know, mechanized technology no absolutely yeah but it does but there is no solution i mean the, the point is that there's no there's no 
and we've said this before, but it's worth bringing up again that there's no there's no apparatus solution to this problem. Like the solution has to be that um, that the pursuit of gain without orientation towards the common good is is a is a socially unacceptable thing. Like that, that has to be enforced at that sort of a level. Right, which is why it's almost unthinkable apart from conversion. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think we've seen this before. I mean, I don't think, yeah. I mean, people look at the conversion of the Roman Empire and and if there's a technologically advanced uh, sort of group, it's that. Um, you know, obviously it looks different, but yeah. Um, and it didn't change and become the middle ages through a system or through, you know, technological, another technology. It, it changed through conversion. Right. And the conversion looks difficult because what part of what the conversion means, like you're saying is taking up is Christian people, virtuous people taking up those legal technological forms and using them uh, and then them fading away. Right. But then, but then it's like that's what you would expect to see, but you can't necessarily see it in the moment. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and even now we look back and we're like, well, the Christians like ruined this particular sure thing. You can see the errors they've made. They made right, absolutely. Um, yeah. Whereas another way of looking at it is they used it as long as it was uh, necessary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what's the sort of takeaway here? Well, it's that at base. Tyranny is is rooted in fear, mm -hmm. um, and at at base it has a a essential connection to technology because um, it has to both keep that fear um, alive and provide an ostensible solution to that um, to that fear, and you can see in that sense how the work of the tyrant and then the work of um, technology as a as a never-ending project, are mm -hmm. are one and the same, and a, and a never-ending project that that fails, right? Because... Right, like it never delivers what 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 we're after. Yeah, and I, I think this is I think this is such a such an interesting dynamic that's that's occurring right now mm -hmm. because because of this, like we were talking about earlier, because of this disdain for the digital, with with also the enslave being enslaved to it. It's just fascinating because yeah. that's not, that, that wasn't the case in like the 20th century um, with, with the mechanical industrial uh, sure. technology. People liked their cars. Oh yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. There's a great, there's a great essay. Um, I forget the title, but it basically tracked car advertisements and how they started, which were like, you know, um, this car is going to make you go fast and you're going to be free. And then by like 60 years later, it was like, promise this car won't hurt you that much. It's like, <laughs> I know you hate traffic. They have like yeah, yeah, yeah. Pictures of cars that kind of look like you're riding a bike. And yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think we're living in a world in which the um, tyrants have overplayed their hand yep. uh, and, and, done, and just done something too fast, mm -hmm. which is namely, um, we know that theoretically that the creation of a, of a man-made world is the end goal of all idolatry and uh, tyranny. But we wouldn't actually like it unless we were deeply tricked. 
Right. And I think the tyrants had a good chance with, and if they had given another hundred years to develop, you know, but it's just so apparently obvious that the man-made world they're offering is repulsive and doesn't, it's not even integrated enough to make it like even in an addictive way. Nice. It's like, Oh, who would want to spend time like playing with metaverse when there's a real world out there? I'm totally (laughs) baffled by it (laughs) or, or, you know, whatever. So it's not like, I think they've overplayed their hand and, and you can tell because they look so foolish when Mm -hmm. like the, our, our massive wealth tech, massively wealthy tech lords sort of propose the future to us. I just don't think anyone... and everybody's like, no, thanks. Yeah. It sounds like that. <laughs> and it's like, well, you'll like it after we spend a uh, hundred billion dollars in marketing. It's like, yo, you shouldn't, like, shouldn't have it. told it, <laughs> but you shouldn't have told us up front. You, you should have just, just done, done the marketing. marketing. <laughs> yeah. And now it's like, it's, it's embarrassing. And I, and I think people are now instead, of, I mean, what I'm seeing just on the ground here is that instead of, Instead of like more buying into that, people are just starting to look for places where they can ignore it. Yeah. Like both personally in their lives, but then actually moving, like moving out of cities and yep. trying to like find just, okay, where can I just not care about that? Cause it's silly. Mm-hmm. Like the, I'm seeing a lot of that. I think so too. Yeah. I see it a lot. Yeah. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe this is, I mean, look, the tyrants very rarely fall to successful Christian rebellions. That's not like in the sense of like, like a, a good war. Yeah. That's not usually what happens. Usually they t- screw themselves up, you know? Yeah. I think typically. That's right. So maybe that's, maybe that's what we're living in is just an age of a tyrannical screw up. And then we get to pick up the pieces after whatever disaster they. All right. I'm up for that. Okay, good. All right. All right well, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, that's it. Smash your phone. Have a good one. <laughs>